Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Everyone, welcome to another solo episode of the Right Way Podcast. You know, as we wrap up this lightning fast year, I just wanted to take a second and acknowledge all that Right Way has done this year. We have grown, according to our accountant, <laughs> by 175%, which is kind of mind-boggling, actually. We've had countless successes with our clients from landing literary agents to book deals and a coveted few even hitting that bestseller status. But amidst all that, all of the doing and collaborating and helping usher other people's dreams into the world, there's been a lot of time for reflection and acknowledgement and a ton of growth this year. Um, I know I can speak for Joe as well when I say by the time we both hit November, we've only been doing this together for a couple of years, but this is really a time when intrinsically I want to slow the fuck down. I kind of hit a wall. I've been, you know, going, 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 hustling, trying, meeting deadlines, pushing, getting clients, all of that. He and I both have for the first part of the year. And I don't know if it's because my birthday is in November, because my wedding anniversary is in November, because of the holidays and just kind of going into that cocoon, I naturally want to hibernate. But as we all know, in the culture that we live in, in this doingness, in making money and making ends meet and putting yourself out there and staying relevant, there can often seem that there is literally no time to stop and rest, which is why I actually think people tend to get sick during the holidays. We are really supposed to hibernate and and calm down and not socialize as much and take a step back and really reflect on the year. And instead, we often find ourselves so busy and in such a doing mode that we can't really get a handle or create any space to reflect on the year. So for me, for the past few weeks and few months, and I guess I should say really over the past two years, I have really been trying to get in touch with my intuition. And I know that sounds, for some of you, that might sound a little woo-woo or just kind of like a, okay, so what? Your intuition, follow your gut, go with your gut type thing. But I think it's very easy today to not really, really look into your intuition and understand what's coming from you and what's coming from other people. And this really makes a monumental difference in not only how you live your life, how you show up in your life, what you say yes to, what you say no to, how you work, what work you take on. But it can truly, truly set the stage for living a life that you follow with intention versus living a life that you follow everyone else's example. And I'm going to give you an example, actually. So 
My 40th birthday is on November 12th. My 11th wedding anniversary is on November 11th. And every year, if I'm being honest, I get a little stressed out about my birthday. I feel like it kind of falls on my husband's shoulders to plan something for both, which isn't always fair. And I'm not one of those birthday people that like celebrates it all month long and it's me, me, me. Instead, I almost expect to be disappointed in some way. I have this like trigger around it, I think, and have never really, really, really celebrated it in a big way. And I think for 40, there's this expectation that you have to have a huge party. You have to do this, you know, this big thing. So a couple of months ago, I was feeling pretty low and feeling just down, down about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I think a lot of us live on autopilot. We live in a comfort zone. We want to do all these things. And then real life, daily life takes over and it's just the same. We end up complaining about the same things, doing the same things and nothing wild ever seems to happen, especially in the last couple of years when so many of us have been confined and restricted. So as my 40th birthday was approaching, I was like, I've got to do something (laughs) just different this year. I want to, I want to honor you know, four decades of being on earth and what I've really learned and and how I want to live the second half of my life. And I got this, actually the first idea I got was I wanted to go on a silent solo retreat somewhere, somewhere drivable, somewhere where, you know, the airport wasn't going to get involved and I wasn't going to have to stress out about that, that piece of it. But then I was like, no, that's too small. I have to do something monumental. I have to do something huge. So long story short, I started researching retreats and I found this one. uh, It was called a rewilding retreat in Guatemala. And of course, I saw the word wild and I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. So I started researching it in tandem with a couple of other retreats. And this one was the most expensive It was in Guatemala, which is not a place that I've really given a lot of thought to. I'm definitely drawn to certain areas, but that wasn't one that I'd actually ever really thought about before. And I, you know, kind of was like looking through it. I filled out the application and then I had to have a 30 minute phone call with the retreat leader in order to see if it was a fit or not. I had the call and on the call, I got a very clear download of no, no, not right now, not this. Um, I'm not sure if it was her or if it was just, I don't know, just, just hearing about the retreat and the way that it would be. So I said, you know, I I listened to her and she was like, I need to know by today, there's only one spot left. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't make decisions like that. I need to sleep on it. So I slept on it. And the next morning I got up and it was still a very firm no, which, you know, it didn't, I've made this rule with myself Say yes to what feels light. Say yes to what feels light. And so much of this just felt heavy. It felt heavy. It felt stressful. And I didn't want to feel that way. Um, Now, I didn't know if that was me just staying in my comfort zone or if that was truly, truly a no for some reason. So I told her no. And then she sent me this really long text about like how we're never ready and I owe it to myself. And, you know, and in a moment of reaction, I changed my mind and I said yes. And I paid that day. And this was over $3,000, which was not, I mean, I don't spend that type of money on myself, especially for a retreat or a birthday present or anything like that. And so I booked my flights. Um, Travel was going to be a little intense. And I said yes. 
And I was like, oh my God, I'm doing it. And in that moment, I was like, am I doing this so I can say that I'm doing something like this? Or am I doing this because I really feel this is what I need right now? And so I made that decision and then I immediately started to stress about it. It gave me a lot of anxiety. I wasn't sleeping. We did a Zoom call with all of the women and I just felt very disconnected. Uh, A lot of the women were in their 20s, which is fine. I was also the only mom going and I was just like, man, I don't want to bring a mothering energy to this, uh, to 17 other women. I don't even know if I want to talk (laughs) or share or give my energy and emotions. So I had all of these weeks and weeks and weeks to prepare to buy all my stuff. I had to renew my passport. You know, there's all the COVID testing and all, all this stuff. And I just kept getting these downloads of like, no, this is not the right thing for you. And as I began to talk about it with people, just mentioning in passing, hey, I'm going to Guatemala, no less than 10 people said, mm, I don't like this for you. I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't feel good about this for you, which is so strange. That never happens. No one ever comes up and like, mm, hey, don't do this thing. Like, it's not good. So I really started to sit with that. And my feelings started to entangle with other people's feelings until I couldn't really figure out like what was resistance and what was a warning. And my friend Jackie, she's also a fellow client working on an amazing book called Heart Language has really helped me discern some of, through through some of these things of like what is resistance versus what is a warning like in your body like no this isn't right and you know we're not really taught to figure out how to follow our hearts to follow our intuition with anything not with work not really with relationships and and not really with decisions. I mean, you know, we t- we talk about that. I said it at the beginning, follow your gut, but we're not really taught how to sit and do that and how to figure out what's my intuition speaking and what is my brain trying to keep me safe. So as the logistics started to come through, I mean, there were pages and pages and pages of instructions and things to do and things not to do and just all these all this stuff. I never allowed myself to become excited by it. And that's how I knew like, ah, man, this just this just isn't right. It was non-refundable, which was a big mistake on my part. But I said, okay, I've booked it. I'm going. Yes, like I'm doing this. But I was at war with myself. So A couple of weeks ago, I was scheduling my PCR test for my COVID test, and my very best friend in the world texted me that her sister, Jamie, who I've known my entire life, um, grown up with her, did gymnastics with her, coached with her, just saw her a few weeks ago. Um, She has three children. Um, She's lived a very tough life, but was in such a fantastic place, And, and we got to see each other and talk, and her daughters were playing. And she, my my best friend Nikki informed me that Jamie was in a car accident with her 18-year-old son. She was not wearing a seatbelt and she died. Her son didn't have a scratch on him, but she died and she was 37. And in that moment, I mean, I'm getting chills talking about it. Boom, everything changed. I knew why I wasn't supposed to go on this trip. If I had gone on the trip, I would have missed the funeral. I would not have been able to be there for my friend, um, for the family that I've known my whole life. And it all became so crystal clear as to why this was a no for me. 
And so instead of going to another country and having this wild free experience with women, with 17 strangers, essentially, I stayed in Nashville and I visited with people I haven't seen since high school. And I spent time with my family because I was in town. I got to celebrate my brother's 44th birthday. I got to go on a half day retreat, which was so incredible. It was only with four women, but it was five minutes from my house. And I began to realize that often we think in order to heal, in order to get clear, we have to go somewhere. We have to do something. We have to commit to something outside of our home and outside of our daily life for it to matter, for other people to acknowledge it. And it really got me thinking about like, God, what do I say yes to because I want to say yes to it? And what do I say yes to because I feel like that's the persona I need to portray to the world. And I'm not really someone who cares what other people think. I, I never have. But I think in this age where, you know, we're constantly putting ourselves out there visually um, with our content, with our faces, with our missions, with our brands, with our businesses, it's almost impossible not to care on some level what other people think. So the past couple of weeks were extremely draining and I still was like, I need to go somewhere and I need to get silent. And I had this like, I was just desperate. I was like, I've got to get out of here and go somewhere. And I decided to book a little Airbnb outside of Chattanooga and I intended to go on a three-day silent solo retreat. So no speaking, no working, no being responsive to anything. And I got there and it was so illuminating. First of all, the place was not as advertised. It didn't it was in a sketchy part of town. I did not feel safe. I did not feel warm. I didn't feel comfortable. Um so that was one thing. Like curating the space is very important and and the moment I got there, I was like, I don't need to pay for an Airbnb to get clear. I could have gone to my tiny home studio and asked for a few hours and gotten the same result. But regardless, to get still, to get silent, to figure out what it is you actually do think or even taking the time to think was beyond illuminating. It was so uncomfortable to sit still, to be silent. So within the first five minutes, I started journaling and the truth of everything just dropped in. All this time, I thought I had been distracted, that it was everybody else's fault for why I wasn't getting deep work done or why I wasn't living the life, you know, I wanted to live. Like, it was my commitment to my clients. It was my schedule, my parenting, my responsibility, my endless texts, my four different email accounts, my audio messages, my obligations, that that's what was keeping me distracted from doing the deep work, right? When in fact, I realized when I got quiet and shut up that I was not distracted. I was an addict. I was, not was, am addicted to 
being reactive, to being in response to people, places, things, ideas, to complaining, to seeking out, seeking out distractions. I'm even addicted to that. I could not believe like sitting there being quiet, the urge I had to check email, to check in with clients, to check in at home. And I always think that I'm reactive, but in fact, I'm just responsive. My entire life, my entire work life, my entire personal life is being responsive to other people. So think about that for a second. In your day-to-day, how much of your day-to-day is you in response to other people? You checking an email, responding to a text, responding to a phone call, responding to a deadline, responding to a boss, responding to a spouse, responding to a child. And it made me ask a very, very important question about my life, which is what emotions and reactions are truly mine and what belongs to everyone else? And so I sat and I journaled for hours that first day. And My friend Jackie that I've mentioned, um, she runs the Dream Academy. Um, I'm taking one of her courses. And I asked her, because she's so great at all this stuff, I asked her, what are some questions that I could sit with? Like, she knows me now. She knows where I am. Like, what questions could I take and sit with and think about? Taking a drink of tea. So sorry. Okay. So here are some of the questions that she had me ask, which again, they were so, so, so revealing. So questions like, when do I feel most abundant? Okay, let's say I have a million dollars in the bank or a billion dollars. Let's pick a number where you feel comfortable, where you don't have to worry about money. Now what? What do you do? What does my heart most want now? What are the true desires of my heart? Where have I sold out or betrayed my heart and my intuition? Where have I not been giving my all as a mother, as a wife, as a woman? That that was one of my own. And I just started to just kind of unravel. And, and this like whole idea of like, oh shit, like I am just being responsive all the time to my life. Like, when did that happen? And and why am I okay with that? And I think there's a real, there's a real paradox today. So when it comes to growth, when it comes to awakening, it's it's one of those catch-22 things because it's like, do we have an awakening if we don't document it in today's world? And I posted something on Instagram kind of about this experience and and going away on the silent solo retreat. And one of uh, my friends who's been on this podcast, Marianne Richmond, said, said something really interesting and I want to share it. She said, you know, here's the paradox. We are still addicted to posting about our awakenings instead of simply having them. Before social media, did we journal? Talk about it over coffee. Is social media the 2021 version of a diary journal with the added bonus of feedback on our thoughts? And is that a negative or positive? Because it's nice to know we're not alone. I'm curious about this. And I just really sat with that. And I was like, wow, yeah, you know, I bitch and moan about social media. And 
all of these things, but I'm sitting here posting and sharing. But I do think while it is nice to share, while it is nice to get other people's opinions, it really does detract from sitting with your own thoughts and going deep and thinking about them on an entirely different level. So while it's easy, I think, not easy, but easier to do this with work, to do it with maybe, you know, being a parent, being a friend, where it often falls flat is in your romantic relationships. Now, Joe and I don't really talk a lot about relationships on the podcast. We don't really dive into sex, but guess what? I'm going to because it's really, really important. So recently, because I wasn't on this retreat, actually, Alex and I, we've been married 11 years. Um, We watched this Netflix show called Sex, Love, and Goop. Goop is Gwyneth Paltrow's um, company. And, you know, I've never really, like, gotten into that um, in any real capacity. But this show was so interesting. So she takes all these different couples, different ages, different races, um, different backgrounds, and they come to the Goop Lab and they are paired up with an expert and they are dealing with their issues on television and issues like we can all relate to. So again, long story short, I would definitely say watch that. It doesn't matter if you're single, if you're in a couple, if you've been married 40 years, if you've been married two years, whatever. So worth a watch. But what we do is we often tell ourselves these stories, these narratives about who we are within our relationships, right? So for me, you know, Alex and I have been together a really long time. And we have told these stories about ourselves, about our sex life since Sophie, our daughter, was born. I'm sexual. He's sensual. I have a very sexual appetite. He does, but he can often go long periods of time without thinking about it. And we've told ourselves this over and over again, and we'll get on a good trajectory and then we'll fall off. And what we realize through this is that we have been looking at sex and intimacy as this singular act of intercourse. And in order to connect, that means that we have to have sex. If we're not having sex regularly, oh my God, we're failing. And nothing could be further from the truth. So one of the experts on the show, her name is Jaya. She has this quiz about what your sexual blueprint is. Alex and I took the quiz and we figured out we are both energetics, which means a whole host of amazing, awesome things. But what it also means is that we have been looking through this little tiny pinhole of like what it looks like to be intimate with each other. And since this, and since we've had these conversations and since we've taken these quizzes, we have opened, we have blown open this door of what is possible with touch, with like just with everything, with playing, with pleasure, which brings me to a set of questions. These questions are so important and we never, ever, ever ask them. So wherever you are on the sex spectrum, you know, we don't talk about it enough in this country specifically, and we should. It is healthy. For instance, with females, in any anatomy book, we only learn about 
the female reproductive system. We don't learn about all of our anatomy that is meant to experience pleasure. And we are raising little girls to think, oh my God, like if I have sex, I'm going to get pregnant. And that's all that I need to know, which could not, again, be further from the truth. And it is such a denial of our power as females, our bodies, everything that is so incredible about being a female, about being a human. And we just put ourselves in these little boxes. So here are a couple of questions I would challenge you to ask yourself. Where is there pleasure in my body? So this was a question that Jaya asked and I was like, uh, what? Like, I only think about my body in terms of pain. Where's there pain in my body? Oh, I'm sore. God, my knee hurts. Ooh, I don't feel that great. Like, that is what we are trained to do. We take note when there is pain. But if you are truly connected to your body, where is there pleasure? What does pleasure even feel like? Another question that I thought was so important is, where can I put pleasure first? Where can you put pleasure first in your life? We should be, we are pleasurable beings. We are made to feel pleasure. We are made to play. We are made to connect. We are not meant to just sit and stress and complain and deny our connections with our bodies. And this goes back to getting in touch with your intuition, with getting quiet and listening. What do you like? A lot of us don't even know what we like uh, from a standpoint of how we want to feel at home, at work, to the bedroom. We have no idea how we want to feel and what we really, truly like. Then I have a question to ask, who am I as an erotic being? We don't put enough emphasis on being fully embodied and fully erotic, which we are. Again, we are wired for pleasure. So how can you focus more on your erotic nature versus just getting shit done like we all do? And, you know, Alex and I always use our child as an excuse. We're like, oh, it's impossible to be romantic when we're parents. It's another lie that we've told ourselves. Like we have a, you know, not a super big house. We have an only child. Like she's always around. And the other day she was happy as a clam just playing. And we had the most playful, amazing session of just exploration of each other. And it, I'm telling you, is a total game changer. And in one freaking moment, all the lies that we had told each other about ourselves, all of the stories and narratives and all these things that we've been clinging to because that's what we're taught that about sex, about relationships, about what it looks like to be a parent in a romantic relationship. All of that just evaporated. And much like the rest of our lives, we're like, we get to dictate how we feel, what pleasure means to us, what work looks like for us, how we want to feel in our bodies and in our lives. So my big takeaway today, no matter if you're focused on work, if you're focused on home, if you're focused on sex, if you're focused on all of it, is to get quiet and listen. And the biggest way that I do that is to journal. So journaling is very huge. And a lot of people are like, ugh, I don't have time to sit down and journal 
But when you do, when you put pen to paper and you actually start figuring out how you really feel when no one else is listening and when no one else is watching, that is when the truth comes up. So I'm going to leave you today with just some random questions, no context really, but I challenge you to sit down, write down, jot down ones that resonate with you and see what comes up. Okay, here we go. Is this resistance or is it a warning? How does my resistance keep me safe? What am I afraid of happening? What is the ultimate vision for my life? Where have I denied myself pleasure? Where do I get pleasure? What lies have I been telling myself about my relationship? What do you think you should say yes to? And what feels like a yes? Are you distracted or addicted? Are you being reactive or interactive? Are you being responsive or destructive? Where do you accept and where do you deflect? So again, I would challenge you to stop talking and start listening wherever you can in your day, even if it's five minutes. Listen to the rhythms of your body. Listen to your own inner guidance. Listen to your own common sense. This one is such a huge one. And I'm telling you, if you could do anything, listening to your own common sense and your own intuition about your body, your body knows just what to do to heal. Your body knows just what to do to keep you safe. So does your mind. But a lot of times we outsource that. We outsource and we let fear take over and we let all these like gurus and hacks and and noise get in the way of what we know for ourselves. So listen to your own common sense. Listen to your own innate wisdom. Listen to what yes feels like in your body. Listen to what no feels like in your body. Listen to what feels pleasurable And the more and more that you can do this, the more and more you get in touch with yourself, the more and more you can get quiet and figure out what is yours, what you feel, what your intuition is telling you. Life becomes really beautiful and really limitless. And all these things that we've piled up, you know, like doing, like having to make money and paying bills and paying taxes and following the rules and living in our little containers doesn't have to be true for you. You can live this big, beautiful, limitless, pleasurable, erotic, successful life, but you have to figure out first what that looks like for you and if you even know what any of those things mean for you. So that is all I have for you today. I would love to hear from you on how you best listen and follow your own intuition, what tips you've used, what you've learned about yourself. If you want to share them with us at podcast at rightwayco.com, we would love to hear from you. And as always, if you feel so inclined to leave us a review, to subscribe, rate, and again, I'll say it again, review, 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 we would be so grateful. Um, Until next week. I hope everyone has a beautiful Tuesday. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Right Way Podcast. 
don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment, and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about RightWay, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services, and sign up for our weekly newsletter, where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 